Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a college co-ed is left for dead in a lover's lane. The blood's consistent with her being struck up to 10 times. There were plenty of suspects, but very few answers. The samples could have originated from 20% of the population. Was it a random murder or jealousy? If he couldn't have her, nobody else could. For decades, the case went unsolved until now. He is a cold-blooded killer. They wanted to solve this. At the end of a long day in May of 1984, a farmer in Tennessee made a startling discovery. He noticed some clothing lying in the field. There was actually a body lying there. The victim was a young girl wearing only a bra. Her body was covered with two pairs of jeans and a dark jacket. One pair of jeans was hers, the other was a pair of men's jeans. Also, there was a black jacket across her body with a sleeve tied around her neck and a pair of panties that she was clutching in her right hand. She was identified as 18-year-old Laura Salmon, a local college student. Her life was stolen. Her life was stolen. And in such a horrible way. The autopsy revealed Laura Salmon died of blunt force trauma to the head. The murder weapon appeared to be the rocks found near her body. The blood on those rocks and and other material was consistent with her being struck up to 10 times in the head with those rocks. The medical examiner found evidence that Laura had consensual sex sometime before the murder, most likely unrelated to the crime. We knew that Miss Salmon had been involved in an intimate relationship with someone within uh, the 24 or 48 hours prior to her death. There were no injuries that would be consistent with the forcible rape. On the men's genes found with Laura's body, scientists found semen from a different individual, presumably the killer. Earlier that day, Laura worked at her cashier's job at the Kroger grocery store. Records show she left the store around 1 p.m. She was supposed to be at an appointment at Middle Tennessee State University, but she never arrived. She was supposed to go to MTSU campus to check on her grades and uh, meet some of the office personnel over there. After that, she was supposed to go to her grandmother's house to go swimming. Investigators found Laura's car near the store 
miles away from the murder site. Investigators found no fingerprints in the car, but they did find a foreign hair. They also found dirt in the wheel wells. The FBI lab determined that uh, they were consistent and that there was high probability that that vehicle had been on that road by the crime scene. Dan Goodwin was Laura's friend and had been out with her a few nights before the murder. I just asked her if she'd like to see a movie, and we wound up going to the movies on Sunday, May 27th of 1984, when we saw a matinee show of The Natural with Robert Redford. At the funeral, Dan Goodwin promised Laura's mother that he'd help find the killer. And she just grabbed me and hugged me and said, please help me find who killed my baby. What they really needed was to find the owner of the men's jeans. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Laura Salmon's body was found in an area which often served as a lover's lane for high school and college students. People went back there to party, have bonfires, uh, make out, that sort of thing back there. Witnesses placed Laura at a local nightclub on the night before her murder, where she was dancing with an unidentified young man, but investigators couldn't locate him. The first suspect police interviewed was Laura's high school boyfriend, Kyle Gilley. He had a reputation as the jealous type, but claimed he had an alibi. Kyle Gilley's alibi had been that his stepfather was a witness to the fact that he was home the day of the murder. Next, a woman in Nashville, Tennessee, 40 miles away, called police with a possible lead. She claimed she'd been date-raped by a man named John Taylor, and during the ordeal, Taylor mentioned Laura's murder. The alleged victim said that her attacker had... uh, threatened her by saying he would do the same thing to her as he had to Laura, or words to that effect. When questioned by police, Taylor denied the sexual assault and denied mentioning Laura Salmon's name. However, a background check revealed Taylor attended the same university Laura did. He was a member of the same health club. He attended the same fraternity gatherings functions as Laura. And Taylor was near the university on the day of Laura's murder. Taylor had somewhat of a history with being violent towards his uh, girlfriends or female companions. 
that too added to his possibility as a suspect. FBI analysts compared Taylor's hair to a foreign hair they found inside Laura's car. We received a report back from the FBI that the hair recovered from her vehicle was consistent with John Taylor. At the time, mitochondrial DNA testing of human hair was still years away, so it was impossible to know for certain if this was Taylor's hair. We could never get that one key piece of evidence that could place him with Laura Salmon on the day of the murder. And the men's genes found at the murder scene had a waist size of 30 inches and a 36-inch inseam, too big for Taylor. Ultimately, investigators concluded a single hair was not enough to charge him with murder. Through all of that evidence that pointed to him, there was still no smoking gun and nothing to actually tie them together. And there were other suspects, too. In all, police investigated over 100 other suspects with no success. I made a promise to her at her grave that I would see that justice was done. I didn't really know how I would carry out that promise, but that's the last thing I could do for her. But Lorene Mackey's promise went unfulfilled, and 16 long years passed. In the meantime, Dan Goodwin began a career that would eventually lead to law enforcement. After graduation, I became a uh, newspaper reporter, first at the Shelbyville paper, and then I moved quickly to the Daily News Journal in Murfreesboro, where I became the police reporter in short order. I wrote a, a series on unsolved murders in 1987 that included Laura's case. But all along, I knew that I was more interested in police work. Several years later, Dan left journalism and became a police officer. The first cold case he was assigned was Laura Salmon's murder. I didn't become a law enforcement officer to work on this case, but it was always on my mind. So I was quite happy that I got to assist Bill Sharp on this case. One of the first things Dan Goodwin and Bill Sharp did was to send all of the evidence to the forensic lab for testing. Obviously, through the advancement in science, they, through DNA uh, and testing, that maybe we could find the donor of the biological material and match that with our killer. While DNA testing was underway, Sharp and Goodwin pursued a new lead, which supposedly came from a local high school student, now almost 16 years after Laura's murder. In 2000, a student at Oakland High School was overheard talking about the Laura Salmon case, saying that his father had killed a girl and thrown her body in the quarry. The student's father, David Patterson, had a police record for aggravated assault, but by the time the rumor circulated, Patterson was dead. When he himself was shot to death, uh, we decided, of course, that we had to investigate that lead. They asked Patterson's children to voluntarily submit DNA samples for testing. Testing on David Patterson's DNA, or that of his family, which produced a presumptive profile, uh, showed no possibility of him being any of the male DNA uh, profiles that was present at the scene of her murder. 
investigators also contacted John Taylor, who'd been an earlier suspect in Laura's murder. His DNA also did not match. And Dan Goodwin himself provided a DNA sample. He'd gone out with Laura just a few days before the murder. Goodwin maintained it was a casual date and said the two weren't intimate. Since I took her out to the movies just four days before and knew her, they decided it would be advisable to test my DNA. And it was tested, and I was not present at the crime scene. But at least investigators had the killer's DNA and were closer to finding him. A lot closer than they knew. Bill Sharp and Dan Goodwin pored over the original case file of Laura Salmon's murder and found one name that caught their eye. Kyle Gilly. Gilly was Laura's high school boyfriend, uh, a year younger than her. Gilly was originally a suspect, but was eliminated since he had an alibi, one corroborated by a family member. But they found a curious note in the case file. There had been a witness who contradicted Gilly's alibi. She identified Kyle Gilly driving Laura Salmon's car approximately a half mile from the road that led to the quarry, which led to where Laura's body was recovered. She was able to identify Kyle through a photo lineup as well as Laura's car through a photo lineup. This lady saw him, looked at him closely as she drove by him and said he was just staring straight ahead. His, just a blank expression on his face. And they also discovered that Gilly had a propensity for physical violence with girlfriends, particularly Laura Salmon. He would get mad at her, grab her by the head, and start banging her head into cars, school lockers, whatever was at hand. He would punch her. On one occasion, he broke out both of her front teeth. Another incriminating piece of circumstantial evidence was the pair of men's jeans found at the crime scene. Kyle was approximately six feet two inches tall, and the jeans would have fit him. The TBI lab did examine the uh, Russell blue jeans uh, in 1984, and they were able to determine there was some blood on there. However, as to the type uh, of stains that were present and to the possible cause, they did not make any determination at that time. Under a magnifying glass, crime scene reconstructionist Jerry Findlay found tiny drops of blood embedded in the fabric, about one thirty-second of an inch in diameter. It was medium-velocity impact spatter, the kind usually produced when someone is hit with a blunt object. Medium velocity is an instrument being wielded by a human, uh, for example, a baseball bat or a rock or something like that. It's not going to generate that much force. The blood stains were clustered above the knee, indicating the assailant was kneeling as he attacked. So whoever was wearing those jeans was in close proximity to the point of impact at the time of impact. And DNA testing confirmed the blood on the jeans was Laura's. Police tracked Gilly down in Florida, where he was twice divorced and working for the Manatee County Public Works Department. He also had a police record 
with arrests for aggravated sexual battery, attempted burglary, and resisting arrest. When questioned by police in Florida, Gilly once again denied any involvement in Laura's murder. During that interview, Kyle admitted that the jeans were probably his. When we asked him about blood spatter and the fact that we had an expert that could testify that the killer wore these jeans, Kyle Gilly requested an attorney and the interview interrogation stopped. With a court order, investigators obtained Gilly's saliva sample and sent it to the lab. Did Gilly's DNA match the semen sample on the genes? We got the results of that testing back on May 31st, 2000, the 16th anniversary of Laura Salmon's murder. That testing showed that Kyle Gilly was the donor of the DNA that was on the men's rustler jeans that were draped across her body. That was what we were looking for. We could put Kyle Gilly in those jeans. We could put Kyle Gilly at the scene of the murder. But what was the motive? Sixteen years after Laura Salmon's murder, her high school boyfriend, Kyle Gilly, was arrested and charged with her murder. Laura's mother says she told the original investigators that Gilly killed her daughter. She says his jealousy was out of control. I told them why I thought it was him or why I knew it was him. And I was very frustrated that they didn't take that seriously. For the record... No one is willing to speculate why the original investigators didn't look deeper into Gilly's alibi. It was clear to the cold case unit that Gilly should have been the prime suspect all along. He's callous, cold-hearted, and had no more thought of killing Laura than stepping on a bug. From the time he killed Laura, he had thought nothing else of it. He he is a cold-blooded killer. Gilly and Laura dated in high school, but Gilly was a year younger, and when Laura went off to college, she made a new set of friends. He didn't want her to have any friends, and when she got to college, he would go over there and stalk her. Family and friends implored Laura to end the relationship, but she was terrified. I tried to get her go and get a restraining order, and She was afraid to go because she was afraid of what he would do to her. And when she dated other men, Gilly felt threatened. Todd was very jealous and very possessive. We feel like that was the motive for the murder, that if he couldn't have her, nobody else could. The night before her murder, Laura told friends she had a date with a friend, and the two went to a local nightclub. Investigators believe Gilly knew Laura was dating others and may have followed her to the nightclub. That unknown DNA was the motive. And Kyle was jealous and possessive and found out that she possibly was seeing somebody else. Prosecutors believe that Gilly and Laura had planned to go swimming on the afternoon of her murder. Kyle coaxed her out to the deserted lover's lane where they talked, then argued. According to the forensic evidence, 
Gilly struck her in the head repeatedly with a rock and blood spattered on his jeans. Prosecutors think Gilly saw Laura's blood on his jeans, which is why he left them there. But those jeans contained other biological evidence with his DNA. On that day, Gilly wouldn't have known anything about that, of course, since DNA testing was still years away. A witness saw Gilly driving Laura's car away from the crime scene. Why the original investigators gave this information less weight than Gilly's alibi is yet another mystery. In September of 2006, Kyle Gilly went on trial for murder. His defense claimed the presence of another man's DNA was proof that someone else was at the crime scene, and that individual killed Laura. The jury never fell into the trap of thinking the unknown DNA was a plausible other suspect. The jury found Kyle Gilly guilty of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Dan Goodwin finally kept the promise he'd made to Laura's mother at the funeral. I don't think Miss Mackey will be around when Kyle Gilly is eligible for his first parole hearing in September of 2042. I'll be 83 years old, but if I'm alive and if my partner Bill Sharp's alive, we'll be there to testify against releasing him. 20 years is a long time to wait for justice. The evidence in the case never changed. It just took that long for forensic technology to catch up with the killer. Cold cases are, are difficult. The positive side is that forensic science is constantly advancing so that what we couldn't do 20 years ago, now we can do. I cannot recall during my time in the district attorney's office uh, a case that's ever been worked this hard that so many hours had been put into. In 1984, we were at a stalemate. We didn't have the, the, the DNA, the forensic evidence to convict. In 2000, we were able to, through the forensic evidence, put Kyle Gilly at the scene. We showed that Kyle Gilly was the killer. Without the forensic evidence, there's no conviction. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.